0: If someone has an emotional flashback or a trigger in public, we just see somebody flying off the handle, acting a fool or being an asshole or whatever we think of them, given whatever situation, because there's such a lack of trauma knowledge.
1: You're listening to Now What? A podcast where we celebrate the human spirit by sharing stories of strength and resilience. For those going through hard times
2: or looking to get inspired to change their own life, we're your hosts, Jen and Tisha.
1: Hi, and welcome back to Now What?
2: I'm Jen. And I'm Tisha. Today we are here with Shannon Page, who we found actually through Instagram. She has a fantastic page called At Surviving Childhood Trauma, where she talks about childhood trauma. She interviews other survivors. She shares pieces of her own story. And she's agreed to come on today and talk to us about her story and how she ended up running this page and all that stuff. So thank you.
0: Welcome. Yes, Shannon. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here.
2: Do you want to tell us a little bit sort of about your Instagram page and and what you're doing over there. You also have like a website and all of that. So.
0: Yeah, so that's actually I don't even know how to start because there's so many like there's so many things that are involved in how I I came to Instagram, but Really, the gist of it is four and a half years ago, I kind of woke up from a couple decade long dissociation, kind of like survival mode, kind of like a lack of connection to my childhood, to my past, always knowing it was there, but never really understanding or feeling the full magnitude of it. So, about four and a half years ago, all of that changed. Um, and maybe in a little bit, we can get into how and what happened. Um, but I began my healing journey. And as a child and all throughout my young um, adult life, I've always loved to write. So when I started seeing a counselor four years ago and I started this healing, uh, this you know starting to learn what trauma was and all this stuff, I started a website on blog on WordPress, you know, just a free website, mm-hmm. basically just a public journal for whoever within the WordPress you know like community wanted to read it. Because obviously I wasn't paying for it; there wasn't you know any high tech you know, keyword searches or anything like that. Um, And I got this really small little following of survivors. And I would write for six months at a time. And then I would just like walk away from it completely for like, three or four months. And I did this like cat and mouse game with with writing out my trauma story for um, for the last four and a half years. And then the pandemic hit, hit. And when the pandemic hit, I ended up losing my job. So I went from working all the time and doing this website, you know, kind of like in between to not having a job and being at home. So I, I decided I was going to start writing again because I had all this free time to do it. And, and, and okay. So I went back to my website when I was laid off, when my store was closed. But then when I lost my job, I kind of had this like I went through this really angry phase at how I was so easily tossed out con- considering all the work that I had done and how much of my life I had devoted to this company um, in the, in the mm-hmm. year and a half prior. And I made this like promise to myself. It was May of last year. And I said, I said to myself and my husband, I said, I'm going to give myself, I'm going to dedicate one year of myself the same way that I have done to other jobs and other people to this website and this trauma work and see what what can happen from it. And so I started like exploring online, how do I go outside of my website, you know, and and kind of picking up, do I wanna go to Facebook? Do I wanna go to Pinterest? Do I, and I ended up on Instagram and I've never always had a personal Instagram, but I've never been on that circuit of Instagram for small business and entrepreneurs and um, personalities and influencers, things like that. Right. So, yeah, I just, I went back to Instagram. Initially I was sharing other people's stuff. Like if you go far enough back in my grid, it's always other people's memes that I would share. And then I don't know, something just changed. I I started to connect with survivors in the summer of last year. Um, Botchpan, uh, Save the Innocents is a page that reached out to me. I was telling you about earlier. They're from India. It's an amazing organization. Um, That works with children and adults just educating to prevent childhood sexual abuse but also they have, you know, they just do amazing work peer support all this wonderful stuff and they reached out to me and asked if I wanted to share my story live. So I said yes, and it was like the most terrifying thing I have ever done in my entire life it was in August of last year.
1: Was that your first um, time like going live in that kind of capacity? Yes. Wow. It was my
0: first time going live period ever, <laughs> yes. um, okay. let alone sharing my story like that. Yeah. Um, i have written it and I talked about it in therapy, but that was my first time saying it out loud like that wow. to an audience. Yeah, um, And I do it so easily despite my fear. Like I went into so much detail. I just like, it was like, I just needed to tell my story. Mm -hmm. Um, to just in detail without a filter in a space that I knew was specifically for that. Um, And it was so empowering. It was terrifying. I had the worst panic attack afterwards. Like we took off to the sunflower farm afterwards. It was, it was so intense um, going through the details. Like I did the fear of, of like my, like my family, all, you know, how would they ever find it? Right. But The fear that they were going to find this web, this video, watch this, this, you know, me sharing my story and and calling me a liar. That became this real fear, but it was, it was, it was so empowering at the same time. And that was like that pivotal moment for me. I, I had already done a couple shares of my story in writing with other organizations. Um, But after that online, I was just like, okay, I can do this too. Um, and from there, everything on my Instagram Instagram page just started to change, um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of how it happened. And from there, I just started to instead of blogging, I wrote, you know, like a twenty two hundred character caption, right. and then summarized that and turned it into a meme. And that was just kind of how it happened. I always do my journaling in the morning. I'm a coffee lover, and the next thing I knew, <laughs> Thoughts Over Coffee was born.
1: <laughs> so. That's amazing. And it's so interesting that your first time, you know, like really speaking your story out in a public way was on this live. Um, Yeah, I can't. um, Why don't you? So why don't we backtrack a little bit? So four and a half years ago, you kind Mm -hmm. of woke up out of this like fight or flight, it sounds like dissociated place. Mm -hmm. what like precipitated that what like kind of bring us
0: yeah so i so i have a lot of trauma in my childhood my child my trauma started well before i before i can remember so my my when i was born my mom died and from that point on i i was with my dad i was with the abusive side of my family so um the whole of my childhood, the trauma, the sexual abuse, the neglect, the abandonment, the trial, the suicide. There's, you know, the estrangement, all of those things, and then um, they all led up to. I think it was like 17. I had a couple of guardianship changes. Um, I had all these things happen. That when I turned 21, I met my my first husband. I had my first child. My marriage dissolved. I like, I slammed this door shut and I just completely forgot about that person behind the door and everything that had had happened to her. And I um, just started on this like single mom survival mode, no time for breakdowns, make sure my child has the best life I can give them, um, you know, no time for screw ups, get a good job, find a boyfriend, you know, provide a secure and stable life. And so I went into this like autopilot, like comfortably numb mode um, and it was a very damaging mode because I spent eight years in a narcissistic relationship. I was not emotionally available to my child. I projected a lot of my own attachment issues onto my kid and forced relationship, you know, with their father. There was just so many things that I did wrong in those 20 years. <laughs> it was about 20 years, because no, 17. Because then at 29, gosh, my math is so yeah, because at 29. I I left the the narcissistic boyfriend, met my husband, and started this new, um, much different, much more healthy relationship, still in this dissociated mode, and so um, I started basically down a road of where reality, uh, real reality, and my narrative in my head started to not match up, um, as Mm. my husband, you know, showed me what actual, like, unconditional love was, and you know, cheered me on and loved me and gave me all this space to be myself, I started to fall apart in, inside, I guess, but I didn't really know what was happening. So the way it manifested was our, our marriage started to cool. And we've had the most amazing relationship. We never, we never fight. We have moments of frustration. You know, we might get a little heated, but we've always had just, Even before I started healing, our communication's always been good. So we were together for seven years before we got married. It was a year into our marriage. All of this was starting to happen. Um, I just, I was starting to not feel myself, right? Like I just, things just weren't happy like they were supposed to be. Um, Intimacy in my marriage was disappearing. We were starting to bicker a lot more. Things were getting cold. Um, I couldn't figure out exactly what was happening. I mean, we were, we had just gotten married. We had just had a baby, like things are, you know, are stressful, but they should be so happy right now. Um, And then this one day I noticed he's not wearing his wedding ring and not knowing what a trigger is, (laughs) I became extremely triggered. Um, My, my fears of abandonment, all my, everything that you could possibly think of from a trauma survivor when it comes to codependency, attachment issues, fear of loss, fear of rejection, it all came up. I thought he was gonna leave me. We had this huge fight. It lasted like three days. I mean, I stopped talking to my husband. I couldn't make eye contact. I didn't wanna touch him. I I didn't know what was going on or how to fix it. I I couldn't even believe that we had gotten there because it just just really felt like it was so sudden. Um, Mm -hmm. Although now when I look back, it wasn't. And then I was sitting at work, it was like day two of this fight, of this like three or four day fight that we had, I'm sitting at work. And I just, it just suddenly, it just slammed into the front of my brain. I don't know how else to say it. And I literally sat there and was just like saying out loud to myself, there's no way it can't be that. And I started to Google um, what the symptoms of child, you know, like childhood sexual abuse in adults, you know, like. I didn't even know really what keywords to use because I had really no idea what I was looking for. I had no understanding of what it meant to be a trauma survivor or what it meant to have complex PTSD At that point in my life. I'd only ever been told I'm depressed and sad and you know given antidepressants and stuff if I'd sought mental health um help. So um yeah, I started looking these this I started looking stuff up on Google. I started reading articles. It was like reading my life's story. It was it was like so surreal. Um, I I don't know that I really felt much of it. It was just so kind of numbing the way that it was hitting me. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd gone to school for social work so I knew the agencies in my area. I called an agency that I knew specialized in domestic and sexual abuse victims, you know, resources and stuff. So I called there and the director of the sexual assaults and abuse um, department like program in the agency um was a was a graduate who was being supervised for her counseling hours and i started seeing her every week she sat with me for like 2 hours a week for 18 months um and that was how it started it was like all of a sudden my life went like my life calmed down and i i had this this space to be who i who i was in a safe environment with my husband and i didn't know who i was and it just sent my whole nervous system into, um, Mm -hmm. into red alert. And the next thing I knew my childhood, just, I probably spent the first two years of my healing, learning what complex PTSD actually meant for me in my life and, and what healing, like what the concept of healing was and what that meant, um, like conceptually, like in the abstract, almost before I could actually start doing the work that was necessary because it's just so when you, when it, when it really hit, it's just, it shakes you It's your very foundation. Well, I mean, you know, you know, mm-hmm. it just rocks you. So that's how it happened. <laughs> I, um, I went running into that office. Um, she, my, that, the girl that I spoke to there, my first counselor, um, turned, she introduced me to EMDR therapy and that's how I found the counselor that I'm with now. Um, I started I was seeing them both actually for a little over a year weekly um, one for EMDR and then the first one for talk therapy Um, but then my work schedule um, forced me to choose so I'm still seeing my EMDR therapist I've been with her now for over four years
1: and what is EMDR sorry
0: EMDR is eye movement desensitization reprocessing. It's um, based on the, the concept that trauma is stored in the brain that children who are stressed out and traumatized don't sleep well. So proper processing doesn't happen. And that's why trauma is kind of stored. It's, it's stored in the brain and then the body remembers it through the somatic responses and the nervous system responses and Mm -hmm. Um, EMDR is a bilateral stimulation um, technique with focused thought to try and mimic REM sleep in a wakeful state to help process emotions more properly. Wow. Okay. So and it for me, it's it works very well. So I've been a huge proponent of it. It doesn't work for everybody, but I definitely recommend that survivors yeah. try it if they're able and available, if it's available.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've heard I've heard both. For and against EMDR. Um, mm-hmm. some people swear by it, some people are like it didn't really work for me. But mm-hmm. as you said, if you need to try something, then yeah. maybe that's something to yeah. try, right?
0: <laughs> and there's and there's so many different ways it can be done too. I mean, and you really do have to trust the the therapist that you're with because you know it is kind of uncomfortable right you're sitting in a room with a therapist who's going to you know you, you know have you close your eyes and kind of guide you through something and and if you don't if you're not feeling comfortable and safe and able to relax into the technique then it's definitely not going to work and mm-hmm. i know for me my counselor started using her hand in front of my eyes but that didn't work and we had to switch to the vibrating paddles because I need my eyes closed or I won't be able to focus any of my thoughts. So Mm -hmm. um, we Mm -hmm. had to adjust it a little bit to make it work. Right.
2: And I imagine like when you have a lot of, like you were just saying how it's so important that you trust your therapist. And I think Mm -hmm. when you've had a lot of trauma, I imagine there's some like trust issues that kind of come with that, that maybe the trust isn't given as readily, I suppose.
0: I would say it was my, it's either my second or third appointment with my counselor. I had the worst panic attack. I was absolutely certain she thought I was completely crazy, had made it all up. There was no way that someone could have gone through what I had gone through or be or be so screwed up at my age, you know, after having lived you know, 30, at that point I was 37, 37 years of functioning adult, you know, adult life. And then all of a sudden I'm just like, you know, a heap on the floor. I can barely keep myself showered and get to work. Um, And I, and I, I was just absolutely certain that the only reason that she was even helping me was because I was paying her through insurance. It was, it was, you know, and, but I, I had to push myself through that discomfort and take the logical side of me that knew I was in counseling to help me with this stuff. And I had to talk to her about that. Um, you know, and I actually wrote a piece a year into counseling and then I, I revisited it at year two, um, called 11 things Tra- trauma survivors need to know Bef- when they start counseling. And the first thing is that, you know, you have to find a counselor that you're comfortable with, that you trust, um, because they, you, they're going to help you through some of the, the most, you know, intense and painful and embarrassing shame filled, whatever, you know, add whatever adjective you want to it. Um, mm-hmm. Stuff. In fact, I just said to my counselor a couple of weeks ago that she is the first person that has given me the space that I've been able to trust that has, you know, been there for me to deal with this stuff. Um, so it's very important. If you don't feel that after a couple of sessions, if you're not starting to feel that connection, it's it's time to, find, you know, search out another counselor because you have to trust your counselor. You're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, we always, we, I mean, obviously our experiences are all very different, but I definitely interviewed therapists before I started therapy after my husband was killed at work because I just knew, like, I, I met with somebody who I was like, yeah, you're not my person. <laughs> Can I get out of here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: That's why I think my counsel. I mean, granted, I don't think that I was ready or had the capacity to, to really face my childhood in my 20s. I did see a couple different therapists in my 20s, you know, but I also don't think that I trusted them and that maybe if there had been a connection there, maybe I could have started this sooner. I wasn't really in the best environments in my twenties with the relationships I was choosing. So there was a lot of elements that, that really, you know, that, that made my survival mode necessary for as long as it was, but then a lot of elements that really showed up to say, okay, it's time to take the armor off Shannon and start dealing with this stuff. So, yeah.
2: Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's so many people walking around, I think with that, with that armor. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know, we, I reached out to you. I, I think I found you cause I was searching like childhood trauma and your, your Instagram handle is surviving childhood trauma. So <laughs> I found you pretty easily, but it is, a, it's actually very common that people have childhood trauma. Yeah. Um, but it's not always something that people feel that they can share because I think there is so much like shame wrapped around it. And there's so many, just a multitude of sort of layers that Mm -hmm. make it hard for people to talk about it.
0: You know what? I, I definitely agree. We, that we, we filter ourselves as childhood trauma survivors Um, mostly because I think we live in a world that doesn't really like, um, can't handle it right it's child abuse especially as childhood like child sexual abuse is it it it's so uncomfortable it's so disgusting and so unsettling for people that yeah it's a lot of us we start to share and then all of a sudden we see this Darren headlights look and we suddenly want to stop and rewind and take everything back and make everything you know yeah I definitely Um, I definitely agree with that. But I think even more so, especially now I'm starting to see more people are talking about it, but what, but what's taboo or what's not being addressed. Like one of the things I noticed about the Me Too movement, and I don't want to, and I'm not discrediting it or minimizing it in any way, because it was, it's so important, but Me Too was great for collect, for collectively bringing us together as survivors but it didn't do anything for us when addressing the symptoms of complex PTSD that we all live with, because that's the problem. Like That's what society can't seem to get a grip. It's like, if someone has an emotional flashback or a trigger in public, we just see somebody flying off the handle, acting a fool or being an asshole or whatever we think of them, given whatever situation, because there's such a lack of trauma knowledge that nobody can, can, you know, we when somebody is popping off, we can't stop ourselves and say, this isn't about me. Now let me respond to that person's reaction. And I think that's the problem. And that's what I try to do on my page. I, and maybe that's one of the reasons that um, cause like my page has grown organically. I never have promoted a post or tried to, you know, um, do get like giveaways to like follow my page kind of like, I've never mm-hmm. done any of that. My, my following has grown organically Um, because I talk about the actual symptoms, not just my story. It's not just about the fact that I am a childhood sexual abuse survivor or that I've gone through X, Y, Z. It's that, no, I'm actually a 41 year old mother who just on Monday went through an emotional trigger because my father-in-law disrespected a boundary and then rolled his eyes at me when I tried to say, hey, I have this boundary that you're disrespecting. And it just sent me into a a spiral that I had Mm -hmm. to to try and control so that my child doesn't see me losing control that I'm not putting my husband in an awkward position and then I'm addressing it and dealing with it in a functioning way, you know? So it's like, that's the stuff that's so important that we don't talk about, you know, or, you know, again, that I'm a 41 year old woman who, you know, one day I'm out and I'm happy. Like you guys see me right now. And then, you know, nobody knows that literally today I've, I mean, I mean, I changed my shirt, but I'm still in my pajama bottoms and I probably (laughs) should have showered this morning, but you know, we've done a lot this week and I've been going through a lot and I had that trauma thing on Monday. So today I just did nothing because that's what I needed to do so that my body and my mind can kind of catch up. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the stuff. Like, I definitely agree. We don't talk enough about our abuse so that it becomes more like, it, I don't, I don't want to say normalize because we don't want to normalize abuse, but we need to normalize survivors speaking up, but not just about the abuse also about the effects.
2: Yeah. And that's one of the things when we were starting this podcast that kind of came up was like, you hear these stories of like, oh yeah, so-and-so was abused or, you know, someone went through this horrible thing and and now they're okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Or we see these kind of happy endings where it just kind of ends there in the media, like yeah. someone was attacked and now they're better. Yeah. Without actually addressing how that uh, attack, let's say, or whatever it was that happened, actually impacted that person long term and what people have to go through to try and recover from some of these events that happen in their lives. Um, and that's part of like our kind of mission statement is to try and talk about all of that stuff too yeah. because that's where the hard work is yeah. is like the afterwards mm-hmm. and um it's so interesting to me that you just were kind of talking about dissociating and kind of that was in a box and that was like a different life Mm -hmm. and I'm going to just like do whatever I can to get through I have a very similar story in that regard um and then all of a sudden you're like whoa wait a minute (laughs) like maybe my childhood wasn't really normal (laughs) yeah
0: it (laughs) was reconciling yeah it was reconciling (laughs) the narrative in my head with my reality Mm -hmm. like I had I had rewritten my story and not that I'd necessarily rewritten it any differently than what it happened, than when, what, than what had happened, but I did rewrite it in a softer, more palatable way for myself.
2: Right. Yeah. So, Just so uh, you can live with keep it. going. So you can See, live you with it going. so you can carry that. Right. Just so Be- I can live with it. Because yeah. the weight of some of the stuff is very heavy. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And like, and it, it is, it's very, and it, and it, So, and like, it doesn't, it doesn't go away, right? Like, I think that's um, one of the things that I saw when I was kind of reading about, um, and some of the things that you guys wanted to talk about, you had said, one of the, one of the questions was kind of like, what are, what's something that you want people to know about complex PTSD? Mm -hmm. And, and it would be in this regard, like the, like number one, healing from, like healing childhood trauma, dealing with complex PTSD is so much grief work. Like it is so much grief work because there's so much loss and just so much loss. So much. <laughs> and yeah. um, and one thing I'm learning as I heal, one thing I want people to know about complex PTSD, and at least for me, you know, and maybe this isn't for every survivor. It's been for most survivors that I've talked to, um, is that these are a lot of the wounds that we heal that come with with the the complex PTSD diagnosis, the symptoms, those things those wounds, they, they don't ever, I don't think they ever fully completely heal. I really don't. The, the the wounds that we sustain as childhood trauma survivors, as childhood abuse survivors, you know, like for me specifically, you know, it was my grandfather who was molesting me. It was my dad who was protecting him and silencing me. It was my dad who was going to testify at the trial against me. You know, there was, there was so much, um, betrayal in like in that relationship like the wounds from like how do you heal like that yes I will learn how to carry it like that's what I'm learning I'm learning how to live with that how to cope with it on days when it's a little bit heavier than others but 30 years from now my dad's betrayal is going to hurt just as much as it does now and just as much as it did when I was 14 and he did it you know so so yeah if i wanted anyone to know anything about childhood trauma and complex ptsd and this healing process it's that it's a it's a lifetime journey but that's not necessarily a bad thing and that's what i'm learning mm-hmm. is that the 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 journey is difficult and it's hard to accept sometimes i get pissed off that it's a lifelong journey um but but it does get easier to carry
1: so. Mm-hmm. I think there's a uh I've said before um on the show there is like we're very trauma illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's not you know, we don't understand trauma and then when you're dealing with with these acronyms like PTSD and CP PTSD they're very offhandedly thrown around. Mm by people who don't yeah. understand them. Like I do, I won't claim to understand PTSD. I understand deep grief and trauma, um, yeah. you know? And, but I think the more we talk about these stories, the more people, we. I hope we build some greater empathy among the people who listen to them. Um, because, you know, obviously you're going to carry that with you 30 years from mm-hmm. now. And you're 30 years out from that. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: obviously this was a formative time in your life. And these were the people that, you know, when you're that young, you're, you're relying on the, your parents and family to be the people mm-hmm. to, you know, protect you and teach you. And like, be all of the things mm-hmm. yeah. for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, you know, I think,
2: um, as a childhood trauma survivor, um, and if I'm being honest, like, I really feel that I was parented, um, also from, uh, a, I was parented by someone who also had their own trauma. Right, Mm -hmm. like that's so that's part of it, right? Like, for me, I'm like, yes, the work is hard, and yes, it's heavy, and yes, it's always going to be there. But I feel like I need to do the work because it has to stop with me. Yes, like that trauma that happened in my childhood, whatever, like it has to stop with me. I can't Mm -hmm. pass that on and repeat behaviors to my children. Mm -hmm. Like that for me is a big impetus in terms of like, yeah, it's heavy, but like I have to do this work Mm -hmm. and you can't just continue to like live with it in that box.
0: Right. That's one of my biggest, um, actually that's a, I have a lot of what we'll call secondary trauma and it comes from that, those years of dissociation, Um, Because I actually didn't catch the cycle, right? I had my oldest when I was just shy of nineteen, and he was—I think he was eighteen. Yeah, because he's twenty-two now. So it was like just shy of his eighteenth birthday when I finally started to actively heal and face my childhood. Mm So I have now—I have a six-year-old who is being raised by a mom who's actively healing and. Who's, you know actively working on you know my emotional vocabulary and emotional regulation and I'm addressing all of the different kind of, you know I'm, I'm gonna say deficits, you know like the developmental trauma issues that I have, the all the attachment style issues, codependency issues um, and the juxtaposition between my two children with regards to emotional awareness and um, ability to communicate, like at this age now with my six-year-old to my 22-year-old is, it's like night and day um, for exactly what you're saying, because I'm awake now and I can't, I won't ever go back. And I'm moving forward now in healing and my, and of course I'm now showing up for my oldest and trying to, you know, I can't change the past. I can't, you know, erase the things that have happened or been influenced because of how I was but I'm I can show up now and that's what I'm doing um and yeah you're right Our, my kids are my my biggest i mean obviously me and my own healing and happiness and finding my own authentic self is a really huge motivator too um you know i'm i the more i get to know myself the more i actually think i'm a pretty cool person so it's <laughs> like wow like who would have thought you know but no my kids are they're so um They are so amazing and they are absolutely my motivation to continue doing this. Mm -hmm. Even though there are plenty of days when I would love to pack this shit up, put it back in a box, file it in the back of my brain, slam that vault door (laughs) shut again and pretend like none of this ever happened because healing is not easy. It's beautiful and it's messy and it's chaotic and it's wonderful and it's painful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So...
2: And you run like peer support groups too, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do on
0: Wednesdays.
2: So I guess in doing that, you probably, you've heard so many stories. Um, Does that help with your own healing journey? Do you think?
0: So much, so much. Um, I have leveled up my healing game more in the last year through the survivor community, through the connections with other survivors, through the survivor shows, um, through my peer support groups. Um, like I, I, I think in almost every episode of Trauma Talk Uncensored with my, my best, my best survivor friend, Tanner, her and I always talk about how, Our trauma wounds are relational. And so we can only heal them in healthy and safe relationships. That's how we heal the, you know, a lot of the feelings that we're not good enough, that we're not lovable, that we can't trust ourselves or other people like those things inevitably and naturally heal themselves when we're in safe environments, in safe relationships, surrounded with people that have understanding and space for us to heal and be who we are. My counseling couldn't touch the level of healing that I've gotten from the from the survivor community. The, like I was saying earlier, the the relational healing, um, you know the the when I put something up and and everybody's just like, I needed to see this today. Thank you so much. You know your story mirrors mine, or you know I just whatever they say on a, on a post that I put up, it's like it's the same for me. It's so reciprocal. To know that when I'm having a really bad day or I'm struggling with something that I can come into a community of people that that just understand me without explanation and who can hold that space for me and be there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah, 100, 100%. Um, meeting survivors, having that safe space, letting go of that shame and embarrassment with other people because you know we feel a little less alone has done... Amazing things for my healing. Like I, I, don't even think I could put into words. It's just been a huge level up. So, hundred percent,
2: amazing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're doing a lot of good work. Just connecting people, healing yourself, helping other people heal. Um, it's really inspiring. Actually. Yeah, I was just <laughs> gonna say, like, I'm <laughs> so inspired by you, Shannon. You. Really.
0: I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Um, do you have any other plans for what you're doing over there? I'm putting you on, the spot, maybe. Um, you know,
0: I, I hit it pretty hard and heavy back in February. And then I kind of realized I needed to step back and reassess where, what, what I could handle and what I couldn't, um, right now I just, I have the peer, the peer groups going. So any of your listeners who would like, or who are interested, if they go to, They can either go to the link in my bio on Instagram, or they can just go to my website, which is survivingchildhoodtrauma.com. And peer groups are on Wednesdays. I have two different time slots. You can sign up. I normally put the groups up monthly. I tend to do them topic focused just because it's easier for us to then come in and have a conversation. I kind of joke that if you ask a trauma survivor, Hey, how's it going? How are you feeling? It's like, we look at you like, really, what part of that question do you want me to answer? So <laughs> um, how honest
2: do you want me to be? <laughs> yeah, how honest do you want me to be.
0: Exactly. Um, it is pretty laid back, right? Like I'm not a professional counselor, I'm not licensed, I'm just a survivor who's an expert at my own healing journey. Um mm-hmm. we get into the group and you know, everybody just kind of shares what their what their week has been like. And the conversations are are often very organic. Um yeah, and it's just really nice. So I, I do those. I do the Survivor Speak Live series, which is on Mondays. And that's also linked in my bio and on my website. There's no prerequisite or requirements. If you want to be on the show, you simply submit to be on the show because it's a space for survivors to share their story. I do Trauma Talk Uncensored twice a month with Dr. Tanner Wallace And that's just her and I, it's kind of, I guess it's like a live podcast in in a sense. We just get on there and we talk about our highs and lows of the week and do some real talk on trauma. Um, And that's about it. I I might eventually, if people keep an eye on my Instagram, it's where I'm most active. Um, I do have a journaling workshop that I have put on the back burner for a little bit, but I might bring back, um, which has always been fun. So people can just kind of keep an eye. Um, but that's that's about it. I'm just there every day, except for right now, because I'm on vacation. But I'm just there every day sharing my sharing my journey. You know, whatever yeah. it may be. Sometimes it's there's nothing to report. Sometimes there's all kinds of crazy trauma triggers going on. <laughs> it's it's uh
2: you just yeah, never because know what's going healing. Get. <laughs> the healing isn't linear, right? Mm-mm. And we there's talked about that with, with grief all. and in all types yeah. of other situations. Um And I also loved that you said, like, there's no prerequisite because the reason I love it is that I really do think that there are people who look at trauma and say, oh, well, I wasn't sexually abused. So my childhood wasn't, wasn't traumatic. I wasn't physically abused. So it wasn't traumatic.
1: Mm -hmm. It's like, um, and we hear these,
2: I was, um, talking with my own therapist. And I was like, you know, you hear these stories of like, the kid was kept in a cage and was starved to death. And like, that is mm-hmm. a very traumatic childhood. And when your childhood wasn't that, there can be sort of this idea that we minimize that and say, well, it wasn't that bad and yeah. ignore the ways in which our trauma is actually impacting us yeah
0: I have I have had yeah the survivors on my show do not have to be even necessarily abuse survivors I've had uh, a couple survivors that their traumas were literally um, like freak accidents in their childhood that caused conflict one one survivor is a, a burn victim her there was a tragic fire in their home that you know severely injured her and her siblings and you know she lost her parents very young. Um, Another survivor was in a car accident, very young and lost, you know, him and his sister were severely hurt and the friend was killed. And, you know, so yeah, it trauma is trauma is trauma. If it overwhelmed your brain's ability to cope, (laughs) it was trauma. If, if it felt traumatic to you, it was trauma. It, it, yeah, no comparing. Um, Mm -hmm. my, my show is literally a space for survivors who identify as survivors who want to come and share, talk about their healing, just have a space to talk. Cause we, a lot of times we just talk about the struggles with emotions, the struggles with um, relationships, you know, the struggles with, with our sense of self and our, and our, the way we talk to ourselves and think about ourselves, um, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's all the stuff that makes us feel really lonely. Like we don't like to talk about it. It's embarrassing. How, why would we think those things? Logically, we know they're not true, but but our brains won't shut off um so yeah yeah that show i'm i'm constantly in awe of it i'm so honored to be a safe space for survivors um Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's a it's a it, it is it's an honor to have that show to be a part of that show to meet everybody so
2: you're so humble Anybody. you're not <laughs> taking any credit for it i mean yeah.
0: back back to those <laughs> trauma terms have you heard of imposter syndrome
2: <laughs> right there it is right there no. yeah no but
0: i but i i i am though i i am so grateful every day for what it could because um because the work that i do gives my pain purpose and i think that we all need that in some way that, that little bit of purpose for, for what we've been through, because there's no sense to it. And there's no, it, you know, it's so, there's so, it's so unfair. There's no, there's just no sense to what, what we've been through with the traumas that we've all experienced, whatever they are. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And again, I just love meeting people. It's like, I think there's, it was, it was innate in me to, to fall into this role. I love to write. I wanted to be a counselor it just all kind of meshed into this Instagram personality and it all works.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely works. It's working. You're, you're killing it over there. So yeah. (laughs) Um, Thank you for, for being on the show with us and for providing that space and and for sharing with us here and um, just helping people really.
0: of course, of course. I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Life is good. Life is good. I was meant to be on this path. So. I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm grateful to be here. So, and thank you guys so much for having me. It's always so fun to meet other survivors and just be able to share my story and talk about this stuff. So,
1: yeah, Mm -hmm. thank you um, for sharing and, and you, you truly, are very inspiring and we will (laughs) share all of the ways that you um, can, can connect with Shannon in our show notes. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for all you do. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to Now
2: What? If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people
1: like you find our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. And make sure to find us on Instagram at now What underscore podcast. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your hard times are the chance to write another chapter.